He, uh, yeah, he's looking over at me, and I see the next song on his list. Yeah, so I should stop you from singing, I will praise him, like I'm doing that. I'm getting in the way of that. Grab your Bibles, Galatians chapter 2. If you learn nothing else tonight, learn that for want of a roast beef sandwich... Amen. So if you feel a craving for a roast beef sandwich, watch out. The Lord is moving. Amen. Galatians chapter 2. It's amazing what the Lord uses, isn't it? Just the smallest, strangest things. And sometimes, like Pastor and I, uses big, strange things. So Galatians chapter 2. Uh, once again, I'm going to continue the series, and uh, I'm really... I'm loving the book of Galatians and looking at a whole lot of different things throughout the book, but Galatians chapter 2, we'll read the first 10 verses, we will read the whole chapter by the end of the evening, but uh, Galatians chapter 2, verse number 1, now he's continuing, obviously, the book and continuing the thought. He says, then 14 years after I went up again to Jerusalem with Barnabas and took Titus with me also. And I went up by revelation and communicated unto them that gospel which I preached among the Gentiles, but privately to them which were of reputation, lest by any means I should run or had run in vain. But neither Titus, who was with me, being a Greek, was compelled to be circumcised, and that because of false brethren unawares brought in, who came in privily to spy out our liberty which we have in Christ Jesus, that might, they might bring us into bondage. To whom we gave place by subjection, no, not for an hour, that the truth of the gospel might continue with you. But of these who seem to be somewhat whatsoever they were, it maketh no matter to me, God accepteth no man's person. For they who seemed to be somewhat in conference added nothing to me. But contrarywise, when they saw that the gospel of the uncircumcision was committed unto me as the gospel of the circumcision was unto Peter, for he that wrought effectually in Peter to the apostleship of the circumcision, the same was mighty in me toward the Gentiles. And when C James, Cephas, and John, who seemed to be pillars, perceived, that the grace of, uh, perceived the grace that was given unto me, they gave to me and Barnabas the right hands of fellowship, that we should go unto the heathen, and they unto the circumcision. Only they would that we should remember the poor, the same which I also was forward to do. And so we'll pause right there. Uh, so as he continues, right last time we were talking about the, uh, the truth of the gospel, the true gospel that's preached. And as he bridges into chapter 2, he wants you to remember something very interesting. In verse number 4, he makes the statement that there were those that, who, that came in privily to spy out our liberty which we have in Christ Jesus. And uh, so tonight, the chapter 2, I think, is very concise about the idea of our liberty in Christ Jesus. Uh, he's talking to these folks, and uh, notice he's talking about these people who've come in, and they're, they're spying out their liberty, uh, what they have freedom to do or not do within Jesus Christ. And some are going to call them into question. And notice he references the circumcision there for Titus. Uh, and they're going back and forth with the idea of what, what does it take for a Gentile now to come into being the bride of Christ, and what does it take for us, and what do we have as liberty in Jesus Christ, and the bondage they try to bring them back under. Now notice he did this in private, 
at first. He went in privately to them who were, which were of reputation. You say, who is that? That'd be verse 9, James, Cephas, and John. Uh, he went into the apostles, and he went in, and he talked to them privately about this whole matter of whether we should be adding things to salvation and what's going on in the works here and what's happening and how are we supposed to live after Christ saved us. And we have liberty in Jesus Christ, and I believe thoroughly that he covers it, that there's some things that folks want to bring you back under with bondage idea right there. He says that they might, verse number four, that they might bring us into bondage. And he says, to whom we gave place by subjection, no, not for an hour. <laughs> we didn't even entertain that for a moment. Uh, the idea of getting brought back under the bondage of what they wanted to put them under, he says, we didn't even entertain that for a moment, not, not for an hour. Uh, there's no reason for it, and there's no, and so Paul here is going to dispute, and he disputed with the apostles as well as others, what our liberty is allowed to have in Christ. And so tonight I want to talk about our liberty in Christ Jesus, and uh, I, since we sang that extra one, I don't want to go too long tonight, so I'm going to try and, I'm going to try and keep it right down to the points here, all right? I'll try not to get too flowery and fluffy, all right? So let's have a quick word of prayer and we'll get right in. Father, I thank you for the night and I thank you that you are a God well worthy of our praise. And so, Father, I do pray that you were pleased with the praise that was given tonight, Lord, not just through the singing, but through the testimonies of a wonderful God. And so, Father, I do pray you'd help me again tonight, Lord, as only you can, to do exactly what you want accomplished through the words that you want spoken. I pray you'd help me to do just that, only the words you want spoken. Father, nothing more and nothing less would be so pleasing to you. And Father, I pray you'd help me to do that. Lord, I pray you would minister grace to the hearers. And Lord, you'd help us to see what you need us to see and get the wisdom you need us to gain this day. And Father, once again, we pray you'd get the praise, the honor, and the glory. Even so, come Lord Jesus. Amen. Amen. So here we are, and uh, he's talking about this bondage. They, they want to get them back under this bondage uh, and back under these things. And there's certain things, I believe there's two, two areas of bondage that are talked about throughout the Scriptures for the Christian. And the first is the bondage that he references here as the, uh, the sin of the Gentiles. Now notice he says that Peter uh, was going to the circumcision and Paul was going to the uncircumcision. You get to verse 11, and he says, But when Peter was come to Antioch, I withstood him to the face, because he was to be blamed. For before that certain came from James, he did uh, eat with the Gentiles, but when they were come, he withdrew and separated himself, fearing them that were of the circumcision, and the other Jews dissembled likewise with him, insomuch that Barnabas also was carried away with their dissimulation. But when I saw that they walked not uprightly according to the truth of the gospel, I said unto Peter before them all, if thou, being a Jew, livest after the manner of Gentiles, and not as do the Jews, why compellest thou the Gentiles to live as do the Jews? We who are Jews by nature and not sinners of the Gentiles, knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law, but by the faith of Jesus Christ, even we have believed in Jesus Christ, that we might be justified by the faith of Christ, and not by the works of the law, for by the works of the law shall no flesh be justified." So uh, the first thing he references, uh, although he's going to get talking about the Jews here, we'll get to that in a moment, but it's the bondage of the Gentiles. 
Uh, he's dealing, Paul, of course, is the apostle of the Gentiles. The Galatians are Gentiles, and he's dealing with the Gentiles. And he says, hey, there is a bondage that goes along with being a Gentile. You say, what is that? That's the fact that they're sinners. <laughs> uh, we come from a life of sin, and that's, that's the truth. And the problem that we have is that he goes, hey, you know what? I don't want you to be. I don't want you to be back under the bondage of sin either. Uh, we're not supposed to go back to the bondage of sin. Uh, he saved us. Our liberty in Christ does not put us in the place where we are supposed to be bound by our sins any longer. We all know the place in Proverbs chapter 5, verse number 22, right? The wicked, what is he? He's holding with the cords of his sins. He's bound by those things. He's in bondage. He's in servitude. He tells us in Romans that we should not henceforth serve sin. Uh, we are the servants of sin if we continue to do the things that we did before he saved us. Our liberty does not extend to the fact that you and I go back under the bondage that He got us out of. When He set us at liberty, when He saved us, He made sure that we don't have to go back under the bondage of the world. Amen. Notice what He says in Galatians chapter 4, just a page over probably for you. Galatians chapter 4, in verse 1 He says, Now I say that the heir, as long as he is a child, differeth nothing from a servant, though he be lord of all but as under tutors and governors until the time appointed of the Father. Even so, we, when we were children, were in bondage under the elements of the world. But when the fullness of time was come, God sent forth His Son, made under a woman, made under the law, to redeem them that were under the law, that we might receive the adoption of sons. You say, where were we? We were under the bondage of the world. We're in the elements of the world. So what is that? That's the, that's the things that we contend with now as a Christian, the world, the flesh, the devil. We contend with those things because we don't want to be subject to the bondage of sin any longer. Uh, the bondage of sin has kept people away from Christ, but once He has set them at liberty, the sad reality is that Christians go back under the cords of their old sins, and they didn't have to. They didn't have to go back to the world. They chose to go back to the world. Salvation, when it brought us liberty, made it so we don't have to be holding to the cords of the sins that we had before. He set us free from the bondage of sin. The goal for the Christian is to not be holding with those. Uh, one of the wonderful uh, attributes, right, the preacher uh, and the deacon, both of them, one of the highest, uh, usually I think it's first on all the lists for them in Timothy and Titus, is that they're to be blameless, Paul, when he declares who he is as a, as a Pharisee, right? He's going through his credentials and he says, as touching the law, blameless. Now, blameless isn't sinless. Blameless is you can't point to an area and blame me that I do that all the time. Uh, you say, well, is every pastor that? Every pastor is not that. Every pastor should strive to be that. Although we may not live up to it every day, we, we, we don't want it to be. <laughs> We'd rather be blameless than to be blamed. <laughs> but every Christian ought to live as blameless. You may sin, you may make a mistake, you may fall down, you may go down and, and a just man fall the seven times and rise it up again. But the problem is that most Christians, uh, they get into their own little pattern there and you know what they are? He says that they're taken captive by him, Satan, at his will. Every time he wants to snare them, he just sets the same trap in the same spot, walks them down the same road, and they walk right into the same spot that they have walked into for the last however many times he's done it. You say, what is that? That means you're in bondage. If you continue to do that, you know what you are? You're in bondage and you're back to being just a Gentile. <laughs> At least you're walking as the other Gentiles walk. 
Paul admonishes us repeatedly not to walk as other Gentiles walk. Not to do it their way. He tells us not to walk in our flesh. Not to live after the flesh, because if you live after the flesh, you shall die. We could do, I could give verse after verse after verse. It's not a, you know what we're not supposed to do? We're not supposed to do those same things. He saved us so we don't have to continue down the same road of bondage that we have been trapped in over and over again when we were lost. And some of it, when we were saved, we let some things in we shouldn't have let in. And you say, what did it do? It created a different type of bondage. And we were still holding to that cord. And we won't let ourselves get free because we choose not to. Victory is there. You say, what do you got to do? You've got to change the way that you think. That's why he tells you, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery be equal to God, who made himself of no reputation, took upon him the form of a servant, and was made in the likeness of men, and being found in fashion as a man, he humbles himself. What does he do? He becomes obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. So what's he doing? He is dying to self. We get that here in Galatians chapter 2 and verse 20. We'll get there. Crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live. It's his choices. I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercy of God, you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And do what? Be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. How do I get out of bondage? You stop, you stop thinking the way you were thinking before. You stop following the path. You notice you're on the path. It's a familiar territory. <laughs> You've gone down that road however many times. You know what you need to do? Recognize this is the same road I've been on. And I know where it ends. It ends me snared in the exact same spot that I've always been snared at. Well, then maybe now you've recognized it. Maybe now it's time to go, Lord, I don't want to keep going down this road. I don't need to end at the snare that the devil's got laying at the bottom of the hill. What do I change? What do I have to change? He reminds us there's no temptation taking you but such as is common to man. But God is faithful who will not suffer you to be tempted above that you're able. Well, then you're, you're able to get out of that. And will also with the temptation make a way of escape that you may be able to bear. You can get out of that sin if you take his way of escape. And sometimes it's as simple as I recognize I'm on the same little groove that I've dug myself into. I need to just get out of this groove. That thing keeps reminding me of the thing that I need to keep doing. It triggers. <laughs> it triggers my thought process to go to the thought process I used to have. It triggers me and puts me in line to be back into the bondage. It puts me back in the mindset that, guess what? I'm in bondage to that and I can't escape it. Well, then stop, then stop letting the triggers go. <laughs> the trigger gets pulled and you hop in and you don't, let, you don't pull the eject cords. <laughs> Maybe you need to eliminate some triggers because you know what they are. When I let my mind go there, this is where I end up. Okay, well, then put some defenses in. Recognize you need to cut some cords off so you stop getting pulled that direction. Hey, that music comes on. I can't handle that. 
Hey, I see that on TV. I can't handle that. Hey, I go on the computer and I do that. I can't handle that. Okay, hey, I do that. Hey, I talk to this person. Hey, this person's attitude over here does this. It puts me right in the place where my mind can't go and I get angry and I get mad and I'm frustrated. Maybe you need to get away from some people. Maybe you need to limit the contact you have because it's not going to be good. Why? Because it keeps putting you in bondage to what he saved you out of. Bondage. Say, what's the problem? The problem is you and I were in bondage to our sins and our flesh still likes it. And the cords are still trying to reach back out and grab on. And it's still your choice. A lost man does what a lost man does. That, that's just how it is. A lost man doesn't have a Holy Spirit inside of him to tell him how to do anything differently. I get frustrated with people, right? Uh, lost people live a certain way, you know, and they talk about certain things, and, they, and people are like, man, I, I just I can't stand And they're going to try and fix that person on the outside and tell them not to talk and not to do this and not to do that and clean them up on the outside, and everything will be good. If you just stop doing that around me, it would be a lot better for me. Yeah, but it didn't give them Christ. Well, how do they, why do they have to talk like that? They talk like that because they're lost. They live like that because they're lost. There's a reason. They're in bondage and they have never been set free yet. And trying to clean up their outside isn't going to help them much. Say, well, then what do I do? Stop letting them control who you are. You don't have the same excuse they have. When you trusted Christ, you got out of that mess, you got the gospel, you trusted Him, He saved you so you didn't have to live as a sinner any longer. That's what He did. He removed the bondage of sin. But notice this, Galatians chapter 2, we already read it, verse number 16, He makes a very clear statement of knowing that, that a man is not justified by the works of the law, but by the faith of Jesus Christ, he calls into question earlier in everything that he's saying to Peter. He's saying, hey, Peter, you live this way when you're around the Gentiles, and as soon as the Jews show up, you start changing how you do things and make them look bad. Say, so what's he doing? Uh, it's the bondage of the Jews now. You got the bondage of the Gentiles. That's, that's our, our wickedness. <laughs> that's sinfulness. You say, what's the bondage of the Jew? The bondage of the Jew is his law. Because his law has made him self-righteous. You know all those laws and those things you have to do and don't do and all the things? You know what that is? You know, we call it the idea of you know, being legalistic and stuff like that. Uh, I have no problem with having standards. Uh, you ought to have them. <laughs> you ought to put them into practice. You ought to keep them. You ought to find ones that work. You ought to raise the standards sometimes just to make sure that you understand. And we'll get to that in a moment. But the truth is, self-righteousness does no one any good. It doesn't, do, it doesn't do the Jew any good. It doesn't do the Christian any good. It doesn't do a lost Gentile any good. It doesn't do anybody any good. Because then it's just arrogance about myself. Peter, why are you doing, why do you have the dichotomy of you're over here with this person and so you act this way and when you're over here, you pull all those things away because those people showed up and now you're no longer close with those Gentiles. Because I want to appear something to the Jews. You don't have to appear something to the Jews. 
You see, he's going, well, you've got to have this, this standard and this separation, and that's when Paul's going, I'm going to withstand you to the face. I'm doing this in public now. See, he was in private earlier, and everybody could agree in private. And then we got in public. And Peter started going back and forth between what he really wanted to believe. And Paul says, not when I'm standing here. And he says, hey, this isn't right, Paul. You can't, you can't act one way with the Gentiles and then turn around and turn your back on them and walk away and go over to the Jews and leave them high and dry over here and, because they don't live up to what the Jews want them to be. It's amazing how your standards will change just by who's standing next to you. Say, so what is that? Self-righteousness. Now, this isn't the question of a stumbling block, and we'll get to that here in a moment, but you realize, well, I'm better than so-and-so. I don't like to hang out with them really much because they don't dress quite the way that I would. They don't do all the things that I do. And if they were real spiritual, what was that? that's just you bringing the law back in. Well, you know, if they were really saved. Uh-huh. So who does that sound like? Pharisees. So that sounds like. Over and over and over again. Well, you know, they're just not exactly what I would be. That's great. Why don't you try and help them be what you, they ought to be? See. And, and don't walk over there and let them know how much better you are. All right. See, the problem that people have is they, they don't understand by the time we get to Galatians chapter 6, it's if a, if a man be overtaken in a fault, you which are spiritual, restore such an one. Let's say they are overtaken in a fault. Let's say it is sin and they shouldn't be doing it. Well then, in meekness, you're supposed to go. In lowliness of mind, let each esteem other better than... Instead of going over and letting them know, well, I'm going to let you know how this is really done. Well, that's not exactly the way it's supposed to be. But what is that? That's reaching down to them as if they were some ruffian you've got to pull back up because you're so much better than them. Realize this, that uh, Jesus Christ, he's given, he's given right the parable with the Good Samaritan. and The Good Samaritan goes down and everybody walks by, right? They walk by on the other side. One guy walks over and looks down at him and walks away. and Everybody looked down on him. Only one person was willing to get down. And that was the only one that helped him. And what was eliminated? Self-righteousness was eliminated. Maybe the reason you don't help anybody is because you are too self-righteous to realize that you could get down there and try and help them. Well, you know, I just don't associate... Yeah. That's why lost people are still lost. You won't associate at all. We, I agree with separation. <laughs> You've heard me preach it. <laughs> but you can't be so separated that you never have contact with a lost world. You're supposed to be in the world but not of the world. You still live here. And there's only one way for you to be a witness and a testimony. It's if there's somebody to testify to. I'm not saying go out there and go to the bar and hang out with them on uh, Friday night, and that's not what I said. But sometimes people are so separate, they look at somebody and they just go, that's, I, that's a lost cause. 
That's not how it's supposed to be. They're lost. <laughs> that means there is a cause. Paul is withstanding Peter on purpose. You say, why? Because Peter is acting self-righteous around all those believers. It's no longer Peter reaching out and trying to continue to help and help the Gentiles grow into what he knows. Let's face it, Peter is one of the greatest. This isn't a slouch of a Christian here. This is the Apostle Peter. I mean, I know he, you know... He made his mistakes, right? But this is the guy who preaches Pentecost. This is the guy who, although he argued with the Lord in Acts chapter 10, still goes and still gets Cornelius. This is still the guy. I mean, this is the guy. But he just got a little self-righteous in the middle. It started to become, well, I gotta, I've got to separate because those people are not what everybody else thinks. You know, I have this I have this problem, and this problem is where I went to school. <laughs> I I have literally preached a pastor's fellowship where I was told it was supposed to be about, you know, eliminating these lines and helping people out. And I all but call, got called out from the preacher who was before me who left after he was done preaching and didn't stay to hear my message or anybody else's message. Slammed everybody in the room practically that was anybody associated with Dr. Ruckman and then left. And then I got to get up to preach. <laughs> yeah, I like that. Preach with a good, clean heart right after that. I didn't want to. Tony Saxton's mean to me. He was there. And he said, brother, why don't you sing something before you preach? <laughs> I, don't, I, don't want, I don't want to sing. <laughs> so what do you want to do? Rip somebody's face off. That's what I want to do. But praise the Lord, because I preached a whole lot better after I sang than I would have if I didn't sing. The Lord calmed me down. I got done preaching. I did mention, I did it on purpose. I mentioned, I mentioned the love of God, and we ought to love one another. And I said, you don't have to worry about where people go to school. Don't judge, don't judge a man by where he went to school. I know guys who went to all sorts of schools. I mean, I know, I am close friends with a guy who graduated, and it was a brighter school. All messed up on his doctrine. Today he's straightened out on his doctrine. I'm really good friends with him. He's not a brighter anymore. But if you just looked at the, the certificate on the wall, he's all messed up. Well, no, he's not. You know, it's funny. I make fun of, uh, I'm going to call him out for it. It's funny because I like it. You all know Jason Dumas. Anybody know where he went to school? <laughs> he graduated from Liberty. <laughs> Oh, say, what is that? One of the most contemporary liberal schools like ever. Um, and he graduated from there. You say, what happened? He got up there with Brother Art, and Brother Art straightened him out on the Bible and doctrine and music and everything else. And now you wouldn't think that of Brother Dumas. 
I would never have associated him with liberty. That's where he graduated from. I mentioned that I went to Dr. Ruckman's school, and I got done. I ate lunch alone that day in a room full of men as one of the preachers for the day. I sat at a table. I was one of the first ones to go through because I was, I was one of the preachers. So, brother, the pastor there had me go. So I went up, and I sat down, and I sat down at a table, and I watched 25 to 30 other men walk through, and not one of them sat with me. You say, what was that? That was self-righteousness. So you can call that what you want. You say, oh, you're slighted. You're, you just... No, I knew what it was because I knew the reaction when I said what I said. <laughs> and what's the problem? The problem is, well, I don't want to associate with that. I don't want to associate with that. People go, your preacher, and they'll talk about Pastor Legault. Oh, he went to North Star? Now you have it. I feel bad for Brother Viscom and a bunch of our, our missionaries. Why is that? Because they've got the worst of both worlds right here. They really do. They go, well, where did your pastor go to school? Now, on my side, you got Ruckman. Well, that's, you know, half of them gone right there. And then the ones who love Dr. Ruckman, they go, well, Pastor Legault went to North Star Bible Institute, First Bible Baptist Church in Rochester. And they go, huh. Didn't they go contemporary? <laughs> Everything. Now they, now they associate him with contemporary and, and terrible, and they associate me with Dr. Ruckman, and now Brother Viscom never gets a meeting again. It's great. Um, you say, what is that? The line is there. You say, what are they doing? They're dividing on their, well, I'm better. I'm not going to associate with, instead of figuring out what somebody believes and what they preach and how they live. And all those pieces, say, what is that? That's just self-righteousness. Preachers do it, you do it. We got ourselves in trouble. Well, I don't want to associate with, why don't you go ahead and help them out? Why don't you, get, why don't you put away the self-righteousness and get humble? Now look at Galatians chapter 2. I'm going to be done here. Last point, I promise. I wasn't going to wax eloquent right there. I just did, right? I don't know what happened. Verse number 17, but if while we seek to be justified by Christ, we ourselves are also found sinners, is therefore Christ the minister of sin? Well, God forbid. For if I build any, or if I build again, I'm sorry, the things which I destroyed, I make myself a transgressor. For I through the law am dead to the law that I might live unto God. I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. In the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not frustrate the grace of God, for if righteousness come by the law, then Christ is dead in vain. Now we have the true liberty in Christ. This is the liberty in Christ. We have the bondage of the Gentiles, our sin, and he references it again. <laughs> Going back and living in sin. Then he turns around and he says, yeah, but... If I go to the law, well, then I'm dead. The bondage of the Jews. Why? Because we couldn't live up to the law before. How are we supposed to live up to it now? We're bondage of sin or we're in bondage to the law because we can't live up to that one either. 
So then what do you get? You get liberty in Christ when you trust in him. We're no longer bound to sin. Now we could go to a whole bunch of places. I'm going to just list them for the sake of time. All right. So Galatians chapter 5, if you were to go over there, right? He tells us that uh, we're not supposed to be entangled again because of our liberties. We're not supposed to be entangled. But then he also tells us by verse 13, he says in Galatians 5.13, that uh, we've been called on to liberty, only use not liberty as an occasion to the flesh. Just because you have liberty doesn't mean you get to go back and serve sin again. Just because you have the liberty doesn't mean you get to live like you want to live. That's not what Paul's saying in the chapter. Paul's not saying that, hey, uh, you can't come in and judge me by my liberty in Christ because I want to live like a wicked man. That's not what he meant. He just meant you can't judge me based upon what you want to judge me on. It's God's standard instead of yours now. And we'll get to that in a minute. In 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 16, uh, Peter tells us that you shouldn't use your liberty as a cloak of maliciousness. What does that mean? Well, you know, pray for Brother Viscom. Yeah. Why? What did he do? Well, you know, I can't really say. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Yeah, don't worry, ask pastor. Uh, <laughs> oh, you know, you gotta, you, you, you gotta pray for Caleb. I mean, or Caleb Kyle. It was that's malicious. What if I said, "Hey, pray for Brother Viscom. He's on the road this week." <laughs> that's a good. That's a good prayer request. <laughs> but boy when you open end it like that you say what was that just malicious just a little malicious well you know anytime anybody starts with that <laughs> say what is that that's just a red flag to me well I shouldn't tell you but uh huh then don't tell me uh-huh. well don't tell anybody but Okay, just keep going maliciously. Well, you know, I've got liberty. And since I have liberty, I can do what I want to and I don't care how it affects anybody else. There's your maliciousness. And that's why he tells you in 1 Corinthians chapter 8 and verse number 9 that your liberty is not to be a stumbling block. Now, Peter is not looking at it that way as a stumbling block. It wasn't going to be a stumbling block to the Jews. It would have liberated the Jews if they would have understood that the law no longer affects them as a whole. It unified a body of the church. See, Peter was separating the two halves still and trying to keep them separate. The Lord's going, no, in the church there's neither Jew nor Gentile, bond nor free. But you're one. Peter's making the divide. He's keeping that division there. He's keeping a schism. That wasn't supposed to be there. It's not a question of being a stumbling block to the Jew at that point. That wasn't what that was. Instead, it would have enlightened the eyes of the Jews to be able to bring them over to a unified body. But that's not what he was doing. It wasn't a question of being a stumbling block. I am all for don't be a stumbling block to your brethren. 
There are certain things. Now, we, I was talking about earlier, right? Paul, Peter was, uh, was one way with the Gentiles, one way with the Jews, and he was changing back and forth and trying to do what he wanted, you know, and that wasn't because of the stumbling block. You get around certain people, certain occasions, certain events, you may say, uh, you know, so-and-so, they don't, they don't like this kind of music. Maybe it's okay for you. Maybe you listen to a little bit more of a bluegrass twang on your, on your gospel music that you listen to, and maybe you know so-and-so over there, he doesn't, and he's coming over to your house that day. You say, what won't you do? I just won't turn that one on. I got other music. Oh, well, you know, so-and-so over here, uh, he doesn't really, you know, he doesn't really think you ought to do this or do, you know. Okay, well, don't plan your event around that. That's probably a good idea. Well, that person, they don't, they don't think you ought to play cards. So, oh, that's a dumb thing. Okay, well, they don't, they don't like it. So, you know what we're not going to do? We're not going to play cards tonight. We're, we're going to play a different game. We're going to do something different. You say, that's silly. No, that's, don't be a stumbling block to your brother. That's just common sense. That's just being nice and, and kind and gentle and loving to somebody. That's not being somebody else. That's being a good man. Certain people, well, let's face it, Mrs. Legault is going to come to your house today. She's on her special diet, got surgery on Friday. You know what? I sent Pastor Legault pulled pork this afternoon. He can have pulled pork. Mrs. Legault cannot. <laughs> so she got Thai red curry with chicken that is also homemade. See, she got her treat, he got his. He doesn't want curry, and she can't have pulled pork. So what'd you do? We balanced the scale out right there, and that's how I could make one short joke tonight, and that was it. Um, <laughs> I already, I already paid in advance for that joke right there. You say, what? What are you doing? It would be wrong of me to serve something she couldn't eat. If she were at my house, I wouldn't want to do that to her. That's just rude. We would count that as rude. But you also know somebody's dealing with something. They have a struggle in their life. Why would you put that in front of them? Why would you do that? Well, it would just be a stumbling block. Well, I have liberty. I can do what I want. Yeah, sure. Okay. Quit being a stumbling block. You're also not bound by the law. You're not bound by sin because of the liberty. Uh, you don't have to go to sin. You're not supposed to use it as maliciousness. You're not supposed to use your liberty to run back to that sin and do all those things that you wanted to do just to justify yourself. You say, well, I got liberty. Well, that's not how that works. And then the law. Uh, in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, in verse 15, I'm going to kind of jump into the middle of something a little bit here. He's talking about the Old Testament and the way things were done. And he says, but even on to this day, in verse 15, when Moses is read, the veil is upon their heart, talking to the Jews. Nevertheless, when it shall turn to the Lord, the veil shall be taken away. Now the Lord is that Spirit, and, they that, uh, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. Uh, he's going, hey, you know what? Uh, they were, in the Old Testament, they were dealing with the law. They were dealing with the law. If you, in the New Testament, you get to the Jew, and if you can get the veil taken away, then the Spirit of the Lord is, there's liberty. They don't have to be in bondage to the law anymore. 
They don't have to try and live up to those things. Why? Because the Lord took care of the law. He eliminated that as the qualification for heaven. He eliminated that as the qualification of a relationship with Him. He eliminated those things so that He could give you liberty and have liberty in this life so that you can live unto God. Notice what He said there back in Galatians chapter 2, so that I can be done. He says in verse number uh, 19, He says, For I through the law am dead to the law that I might live unto God. It is, it is one of the great doctrines that we have and that we hold to, and it is, the, it is that you and I have a personal, a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. It is that you have an individual, we call it individual soul liberty. It is that you as an individual have the liberty to understand what God wants you to do personally for you. There are certain things in your life that are going to hold you back from serving God, and so you have to put in certain things to keep you at liberty so you don't get drawn back into those things. There are certain things that you have to put in your life that maybe somebody else doesn't have to put in, but you put those things in. Why? So you can live unto God. The liberty that He gives us is to make it so we can live for Him clean and pure. It's designed so that you and I have our perfect walk with Him. The liberty that we have is not governed by our old life of sin and it is not governed by any laws or rules or regulations that mankind can set up, but instead it is governed solely by you and Him on the same page, reasoning out the things you should have in your life and the things you should not have in your life, the places you should go and the places you should avoid, the people you should have in your life and the people you should avoid, and all of those pieces pile together to do what? To give you the liberty so that you can live unto God. That's why it's I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live. I get to live, but the life I live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God, what He tells me to do. It's His liberty. It's His freedom. The liberty we have in Christ Jesus is no longer worrying about the bystanders who are spying out trying to figure out what you're doing with your liberty. (laughs) I want you to know Pastor Legault and I don't really want to know a lot of times what you do with your liberty. (laughs) When we have to know, we'll deal with it. But boy, I'm not looking in your windows. I don't want to know. (laughs) But when the Lord's dealing with you, you ought to be able to change your liberties. You go, I can't do that anymore. The things you used to do when you first got saved, I hope you don't do all of them anymore. Right, You came to the place where you went, yep, can't do that anymore. Lord told me that's, that's not good. i got to stop that. And then he gave you some stuff. He said, hey, this would be really good for you to add to your life to help you and to help your walk. He said, oh, you should just start doing these things. And you said, okay, I'll do those things. That's our liberty. And some people aren't attained as high and close as you necessarily would be. They haven't eliminated as many things maybe as you have and they may not have been able to put in as many things but maybe the Lord's just working on them in different spots and we got to be willing to understand that the Lord works at liberty and they have liberty they have certain liberties and maybe it's not the same as yours but that's why God is an individual God who wants you to live the way he wants you to live and you help and you guide, and you do what you can in humility. But ultimately, I do not frustrate the grace of God. (laughs) That's a good declaration to have. 
not to frustrate the grace of God. That your liberty is right where it belongs and your freedom from your bondage of sin and to the law that everybody would want to put on you is gone and it's solely the liberty he wants you to have. Freedom to do it the way he wants you to do it every time. That's his liberty. And that's our liberty in Christ. Let's stand. I don't know of anybody in here who's lost. I've been preaching to save folks, of course. But I would be remiss to not say that you do not have liberty if you don't have Jesus Christ as your Savior. You are in bondage to your sin. And that bondage will take you to a lake of fire for all of eternity. And Jesus Christ came to save you and set you free from that. And if you want to know about it, we can gladly open up a Bible and show you how Jesus can save to the uttermost all of them that will trust him. Maybe you're saved in here tonight. You say, I've taken some liberties where I shouldn't have. Or maybe you're saying, I keep going back into bondage and some things that I shouldn't be in bondage to. Or maybe you just want to come down and thank the Lord that you aren't in bondage like you used to be. That'd be a good thing. Give him some praise, because guess what? I don't deserve to be free. And he made me free. I don't know what the Lord wants you to do, but whatever it is, do it. You have liberty. Lord, I thank you for the night. I thank you for the blood of Jesus Christ that can wash us of our sins. And Father, that you want to keep us and hold us. and You want to get glory through our liberty. Father, I pray you'd help us to give you the glory. Bless the night in Jesus' name. Amen.